Welcome to the Chamber Voice of Business podcast. I am Steve Cox with the Rogers Lowell Area Chamber of Commerce. And today on the Voice of Business podcast, we are visiting with two professionals from Evolution Research Group. We have Luke Kramer, who is the VP of Patient Advocacy and Community Engagement, as well as Ashley Poole, who is the Regional Director of Clinical Operations. And they have some really great things that are uh, already taking place in Rogers, have some other things that are that are also coming in roads, you know, uh, talking about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and importance of healthcare access access to minority communities, how it's a workforce and uh, development tool, how it's a retention tool for employers, and just the overall importance of having quality health care for all citizens, uh, regardless of their income status or uh, employment status here within the Northwest Arkansas community. So we are very pleased today to be joined by Luke and Ashley with the Evolution Research Group on today's Chamber Voice of Business podcast. Thanks for having us, Steve. We appreciate you giving us an opportunity to speak to all your constituents in beautiful Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, and uh, Ashley, I appreciate you being here as well. So uh, why don't you guys start, tell us a little bit about Evolution Research Group. I mean, I know it's not a name that's, that's out there, you know, as much as something like, you know, a Mercy or a Northwest, but you guys are doing some really great things. So it's not. So Evolution Research Group is actually our parent company. So we were um, operate under the name of Woodland Research Northwest up in Rogers, and we were started in Little Rock. Um, under Woodland International Research Group, um, a clinical research facility that was um, started to um, get new medications into the psychiatric population. So we were founded on inpatient schizophrenia, bipolar, depression trials. Um, so getting new medications to people who wouldn't have access to them. Um, and we started um, Woodland Research Northwest in actually in Springdale, I'm pretty sure in 2008 or nine. Um, and then in 2014, Evolution Research Group was born, which is now our, our big company. And we have mm -hmm. sites all across the US now. So um, we're doing exciting things. Um, we're expanding um, outside of psychiatry. So we're doing a lot of other Stuff. I know we're doing some ALS work up there. We're doing some healthy volunteers. We have some um, women studies that are um, going to be starting. Um, we're really interested in metabolic disorders. Um, so we're, we're doing lots of stuff up there and we're excited to chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely. So how does how does the process work? I mean, is it like a you have to have a doctor referral or is it just people? Absolutely can, can reach not. Out? So, that, and that's that's a challenge for a lot of people. So we're excited that we don't have to have that. So um, we have we have trials. Um, we they have inclusion and exclusion criteria. So it it can come from a doctor referral. We do have a lot of relationships within our community with physicians who refer patients to clinical research. Um, but a patient can just call us. Um, they can go to our website, see what types of studies that we're doing, and then they can reach out and we schedule them to come in for a pre we call it a pre-screening visit. Um, we bring them in, we talk to them about what we're doing, um, what the process is, get gather some health information from them and see if they might meet criteria for one of our trials. Um, the blessing in this is that it is, it comes to the patient at no cost to them. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's no secret that there's, there's medications out there that insurance will pay for um, that, that just don't work. Um, and so we can get patients access to medicine that they wouldn't have access to. And then for those that are not insured or that are underinsured, 
we can get them treatment that they they would never have access to. Um, and so it's 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 a really, I mean, it's a neat it's a neat thing that we're doing, and it and it's an easy process. We also we compensate the patients for their time. Um, some of the visits, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Some of them are lengthy, and we understand that. And so we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing by the by the participants. Um, you know, they're partnering with us to gather this data. So it's really important that we compensate them and make it a pleasant experience for them as well. And you know, re research itself is such a no one knows about it. It's just mm -hmm. kind of this hidden thing. Now, a lot of times when you look when you talk about cancer, a lot of times cancer and research will walk hand in hand. I mean, mm -hmm. it's almost inseparable. Heart disease, diabetes. But you know, sometimes when you move into the mental health area of schizophrenia, bipolar, and depression, research is not talked a lot about. Um, but you know, statistically, uh, less than half of individuals who have a diagnosis of mental illness can can receive any relief from their symptoms with the current medications on the market. And it's not that there aren't good options out there, but the brain is a very very complex organ, and yeah. A lot of times it takes just the right amount of medication or the right combination of medication. So again, as, as Ashley had mentioned, um, you know, with so many individuals who are living sometimes with chronic and persistent mental illness, whether it be something like schizophrenia, which is very, can be very disabling, um, that um, here is an opportunity for us to not only advance science, I mean, to move us into the next generation of new medications that can help millions of people worldwide, but it's also offers that hope for individuals who otherwise are living with chronic symptoms who've never been able to get relief. So it, it is, I think, both um, something that's going to, that could possibly benefit the individual who could participate in a, in a clinical research trial, but also it, it um, on a much broader level, uh, it, it is making a large impact globally. And I will tell you, um, I'm from Little Rock and I've got family. My son's up at U of A. I mean, you know, very well connected with Northwest Arkansas. I had the opportunity before starting here to work with clinical research sites across the nation. And I will mm -hmm. tell you, and, and, and so will a lot of others, that Woodland Northwest is, is regarded as one of the top psychiatric research centers in the United States, period. Wow. And, and it comes from years of, of um, close work within the community that uh, this complete dedication to those individuals who walk inside the doors and want to participate, because it can be a scary process and it's a very foreign process for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But the compassion and, and the work that's being done uh, right there in Rogers, Arkansas is impacting globally. And so, um, but it does come from years of, of uh, trust-based relationships, really working with patients and doctors in the community um, and forging forward to find new ways to help people who are living with, um, with, with mental illness. And, and now, as, as Ashley said, looking into other areas of disease mm -hmm. that we want to get out there and conquer, you know. Uh, so we're excited about the work that goes on. No, I mean, it, it really is. It's, it sounds like some really cool stuff happening. 
How is this process different than, say, just your weekly go lay on the couch, talk about your problems uh, versus what, what you guys are doing? I mean, obviously, I'm a strong proponent of, of mental health. Um, definitely, we've done several programs related to that coming out of the pandemic uh, here at the chamber because, you know, a lot of people struggled during that time, myself included. And so uh, just what, what's that process look like and, and how does that differ from just a, a a standard visit or standard is a loose term, but a more traditional approach of, of you know, going to see a, a counselor. So just to be really transparent, a lot of people don't have access to go see a therapist once a week. Um, mm -hmm. It's expensive. A lot of insurance don't cover it. Um, and especially the underinsured are not going to get to go do that. Now, if someone is seeing a therapist and they feel like they need more than that, um, they need some medication tacked onto that, they can continue to see their therapist. Okay, so you don't have to have a diagnosis before coming to see you all. Uh, to, to Not necessarily. Some of the studies okay. are going to require prior diagnosis, but we, we have psychiatrists on site and neurologists. We can make the diagnosis there. Um, gotcha. But yeah, we can take a referral from a therapist that is, mm -hmm. you know, say with someone with depression or anxiety and they feel like they could benefit from additional treatment outside of just their therapy. Um, those are great, great, patients for um, this, this type of work. Um, one of the things that I really like, especially with the more chronic mental illnesses, the more severe, um, so schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Right now, um, there's some, some lack in our, in our care for those patients within our state. And so having the, um, a lot of times these guys and I don't, I say guys, that term loosely, these patients, yes. they need, um, they need the accountability. Um, so if you have a chronic schizophrenic patient that is in and out of the hospital, they maybe, they, maybe they'll go to their treatment, maybe they won't, maybe, you know, and so they, it's just a cycle that keeps repeating itself. But if you can get them into a clinical trial, they can go into somewhere for six weeks and really mm -hmm. get stable and then go outpatient. And then you have the ability to bring that patient back once a week, do a urine drug screen, check their medicine, make sure they're taking it. And they mm -hmm. want to stay in it because they're, they're getting a stipend for coming. And, it, and it's, it's, there's just that extra layer of accountability that they may not get elsewhere. And mm -hmm. so that's where we see a, a schizophrenic patient staying stable. You're avoiding additional hospitalization and things like that. So that that's where the, I would say that it has been one of the most rewarding parts of my career is seeing a patient who was in and out of the hospital all the time. Like it, it, they would leave the hospital and they would only be gone for a week and then they were right back. You right. know, come into a trial and stay stable for you know, on a long-term extension for 18 months and never have to go back to the hospital again. I mean, that's, that's success. That's that. And I mean, it's no secret that these repeated, you know, psychotic episodes are going to, they make them worse. Every time it just gets worse and worse. And so the longer mm -hmm. you can stable, the better outcomes I, that those patients have. So. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, please go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, and you kind of go back to, um, you know, what is research kind of compared to going to a therapeutic environment? Well, and there are two different things, right? I mean, a clinical research study is really to look at the medical side, the medicine, and really kind of study how that works. But it's not a substitute for individuals to look at their entire holistic life, right? 
their diet and exercise and their therapy and their family relationships and all housing and you know all of these things that, that kind of make up who we are on a daily basis, the research would be one slice of that pie. Um, so, uh, and, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions too, because a lot of times with providers, they say, well, we, don't, we can't send our, our clients over to go participate in a research study. You know, we're taking care of them and you know, we, ha we have to offer the therapy and this and that. But the reality is, is they can do both. You can participate. Right trial. Just if you had lung cancer, you could still participate in a research trial, but you may also be doing chemotherapy or whatever it may be, right? So it, it's not an either or research. We is a part of the entire healthcare ecosystem. You know, it, it's a part of, of what we see in the long run is, is a, um, hopefully for the individual, a, a place where they can find a piece of that recovery that they're looking for. And it is different for everyone, um, but I will tell you there have been countless individuals I've talked to who have been through the systems and then, and like Ashley said, in and out of hospitals, and then all of a sudden they have access to some new cutting edge med medication or new therapy that that is can actually change the trajectory of their life because it is just something that may uh, affect them in ways that nothing that has worked in the past. But you know, the great thing about being the clinical research study, and, and this is really a problem I think that we have in mental health care overall, is a really disconnect between the, the, the medical side and the psychiatric side, right? So you have, a lot of people have therapists or they have a psychiatrist they see, and then they go to their PCP and they have their health issues, but these two people never talk to each other, right? right. There's never a cohesive real plan to make sure that the entire person is taken care of. But in a clinical research study, people can come in and they have access to um, very, very uh, detailed medical proce you know, procedures and screenings. Mm -hmm. And then so we, you know, we look very closely at that medical side, but then also having a psychiatrist and other, other people that are specialized in more of the, um, the, the brain that, that they can um, also uh, work on that piece of the individual and ensure that they're, um, they're not uh, going into a crisis or they, maybe they need additional help if there's maybe, uh, maybe they don't react well to the medication and they need that support network. So that's kind of the cool thing about being in a research study is you get full care. I mean, you really do have access to, to mm -hmm. the psychiatric side. Well, and, and going back to what, what Ashley was saying earlier, it really touches on the the productivity, the, the, the workforce side of it, like what you're saying, someone going in and out of the hospital obviously can't have steady employment, or if they, they're very lucky if they have employment that will, you know, uh, give them the appropriate time off to do that, um, or, you know, someone going through a manic depressive state that, you know, loss of productivity at work or things like that. I mean, it, mental health is impacting, it impacts everyone, you know, like what you were saying, you know, you got your mind your body like it, it's weird it's like it's all connected which, which it is so yeah, um, you know, I know that Patrick Kennedy who's a great advocate for for mental health he said you know I want to live in a world someday where we treat diseases above the neck the same as we do below the neck absolutely right? and, and absolutely. many times we just completely compartmentalize brain disorders as if it is a um, it is a reflection of the character of someone or or right. their, you know, or, or their um, cognitive ability or whatever it may be. I will tell you some of the most brilliant individuals I've ever known are people that are living with serious mental illness. Right? I mean, if you think about and I don't want to get philosophical here, but I, I I'm going to. But if okay. you, but if you think about some of the greatest leaders and minds throughout human history, whether it be Abraham Lincoln or artists like Vincent Van Gogh and others, 
they've all lived with a mental illness, but yet they are some of the ones who've actually pushed us forward as a society and as a, as a um, you know, uh, socially and artistically and medically and others. And so the, the diagnosis does not define who the individual is, but right. for some people, it can be a, a debilitating thing. And that's when you need to step in and get help. And, and it's just great that research can be a part of one of the many options for individuals. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a hidden disease. Uh, you know, it, it, it's like it's hidden because, you know, you see people that you think you ha they have it all. Everything's great. I think of like Robin Williams, Chester Bennington, yeah. Lincoln Park, you know, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, you know, high profile people that took their own lives. But it's like they were rich. They were famous. They had everything. What could be wrong? Like and it was just something that couldn't be seen. And so, you know, I think it suffered, you know, more people suffer from these sort of sort of things than a lot of people realize because like what you were saying, there is that stigma uh, of it. Like something is wrong with me. Well, yeah, but you know, if you break your arm, you're not just going to say something's wrong with me and hide it. You're going to go get checked out. Right. So, and, and so we're almost having a double, double whammy is that, you know, we have a stigma that exists about mental health in general. And then also there is a little bit of a stigma about research. You know, what mm -hmm. is it? Are, are we using people as guinea pigs? And, you know, what, what, and so there, there is this stigma around clinical research, but, you know, um, <laughs> I'm sure Ashley could tell you, it is such a stringent, uh, tightly regulated process yes. for individuals. I mean, matter of fact, there's a lot of people who want to participate that just can't because there's right. so many things that would exclude them. So it's a very uh, well-regulated, you know, people are taken very well care of, but, but it is, I mean, with mental health, the, the talk of research is just two steps away uh, than, than what you would find in a lot of other indications. So for us, you know, sometimes it is a struggle to, to go out and talk to the community and say, look, we want to take care of you and we want to find maybe something new for you that would that could really change your life and then change medicine uh, in general. But it, uh, but we are, we're stuck with that stigma piece, I think on both mm -hmm. sides of mental health and the research. And that's not just a societal thing, but that also touches specifically, I think it hits harder within the minority communities and the lack of, you know, anytime you see somebody in therapy on TV, it's always a white person almost uh, every time. So it's, there's not really that, there's still a lot harsher of a stigma, I feel, um, within the minority communities. And I, and I know that you guys are doing stuff to try to help, you know, with that and provide access to, to those, again, that typically wouldn't have that care. What, what are some of your efforts that you're doing to try to, to make sure that this is, this is equally applied to everyone? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and, and thank you for bringing this up, because this is a really big uh, topic right now in, in research, and for a couple of reasons. Number one is if you look in our, into our communities of color, if you look into our minority communities, historically, research has been a, a, a cruel sometimes experience for individuals. I mean, we, have the, we have the history to prove it, and, and, and honestly, you know, five, six decades or, or, or sooner is not too, it's on the surface. And so there's real reason for people to say, look, I'm skeptical. And, and there, I don't, there are I mean, people I, alive now that, eat, that have family members in the absolutely. Tuskegee experiments, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. yeah. so there's real reasons why people um, ha have these doubts and, and just don't trust the process. But the reality is this, there are a lot of diseases, even Alzheimer's, sickle cell, and even some, some diagnoses in, in, of mental illness disproportionately affect our communities of color. Mm -hmm. and, and we know that even through very, and nowadays research is getting so detailed. I mean, it's really pinning down specific, targeting very specific things 
that if there are uh, blood differences or biological differences or medical differences between different uh, races, that everyone must participate because we have to produce new therapies that will work for everyone. And, right. and, and the other thing too is, is if you look at something like sickle cell, that 98% of individuals who live with sickle cell are of African descent. Yes. Now, if, if we can't have, if, if people are unwilling or, or don't want to participate from a community where it affects you know, almost 100% of the people that have it or are living there, then not only does it um, maybe hurt the advancement of science, but what worries me is that companies who are helping to come up with these new compounds and they're new therapies, stop. they're going to stop. Yeah. They're going to say, why, why should we invest billions of dollars in trying to find a new therapy when when we just no one will come and participate in a trial and so you know i i think that um what we have to do as, as researchers is to go and build trust. trust with with communities who who otherwise um, have no interest or no knowledge of clinical research and it is an education process mm -hmm. and so you know i know that even in northwest arkansas we have a very high latino population and and then um uh you know we have a lot of different minority communities we're right across the border from oklahoma where you have a, a large native american tribes i mean there's mm -hmm. and, and not only is it the right thing to do uh, for good science but you know what we're seeing now is there's legislation coming down from the federal side and from the FDA that is going to begin to almost require certain percentages of individuals of, of um, communities of color or minorities that must participate in the clinical research study. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and then matter of fact, there may be a day that the FDA says we're not even going to look at your data. We're not even going to look at this trial because you didn't reach a benchmark and fully have a representation of the community at large, rather than just you know, the microcosm that you may live in. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about Arkansas. And I think one of the reasons why we've done so well historically with CNS or central nervous system disorders, I may say CNS, but brain disorders here mm -hmm. is because we have such a diverse population that we have in, and unfortunately we are in a healthcare uh, desert here and people are desperate for, mm -hmm. for sometimes that, that um, the ability to have resources in the medical and psychiatric area. So, um, but I think that the diversity, what we have is the beauty in what we have here. And I think this, the, the real thing that's gonna be the root of how we are going to expand research and do great things in the future. And it's going to have to start by building those trust-based relationships in our communities. Well, well, I think this is a good first step, just kind of getting that message out there within the community. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I did not realize the extent of the work that you all did. And I drive by your building, you know, several times a week. So, uh, well, we welcome it's, you to come visit. And, yeah, and oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's, that's absolutely. one thing. It's, it's scary for, for a family, you know, I think about like with Alzheimer's, if I was mm -hmm. going to put my mother somewhere, you know, um, Research sounds scary. It really does. Yeah. You start talking about the the institutional review board that's got to review everything and make sure it's ethical, and then the the Food and Drug Administration like saying that it sounds scary, and it sounds like you know you're gonna take my mom and put her you know yeah away and, and poke and prod on her. And so you know I think it's really important that people do come see it, and that that's one of the the messages that I've always had with with our staff is you know we just we just have to get the people here. Um, right. You'll notice whenever you you walk in the door, there's it's homey. There's there's residential furniture, um, so it, it's not it's not all white. You're not walking it's, into yeah, a it's not it's not a, it's not a clinic with straight jackets and padded walls. walls. Yeah, so, yeah, and um, 
it's funny. I joke with this. I I always say like you'll you'll see is first of all I I don't want um, any furniture that has a twenty year warranty because I don't want to look at anything for twenty years. But mm -hmm. it, it looks very homey and it's and it's nice. I mean we have you know that that's another thing the people within our psychiatric community like that but that suffer from mental illness that a lot of times that they they get treated bad you know not, right. not bad but, but they just I know what you're saying yes have furnishings that are just as nice as what I would have in my house yeah and no so absolutely. that's something that we really pride ourselves on um and and so we do we invite you to come out and take a look yeah oh absolutely well and I, I agree exactly with what you just said I mean everyone deserves dignity regardless of their state regardless of yeah. what they're going through I mean they've been on a journey that you can't imagine and you know so that's you, you just treat everybody the same and treat everybody with dignity and respect and we'll we'll end up in a much better place as a society I feel yeah, but yeah. I might be on the outlier of that I hope not but <laughs> no I you know I, I hope not too I, but Steve I, I I appreciate that and, and I'm, I'm glad that as we say we're kind of preaching to the choir to each other right here about that but I think it does you know pe people don't wake up and ask for a mental illness no. they, they don't no. they don't say boy I hope someday I'm so depressed that I, I can't take care of my children, or I'm hearing voices and seeing things so severe that I can't function. I can't hold down a job. No one asks for this. So those right. individuals, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, just cruising along in life, and next thing you know, it, I remember a client I worked with years ago said, "It's like I'm cruising down the highway, going 80 miles an hour, and then I have a blowout." Right. Yep. And that blowout just completely stops everything, and you have to stop and pick the pieces up before you can move forward again. And that's okay. I mean, it's mm -hmm. okay. It happens to us in a lot of different ways. But you're right. People that live with mental illness deserve the same dignity and respect as anybody else in our society. And if you look, I mean, statistically, almost 500,000 Arkansans live with a mental health condition. So it's not like some, like you said, something that's just kind of hiding off in the distance. It affects everyone, either personally or within their own family. So yeah, th this is a question I've been curious about. And, um, you know, you just kind of touched on something and we're, we'll wrap up here in a minute because I want to be respectful of your time. But uh, you mentioned 500,000 Arkansans are suffering from, from some form of mental illness. Do you, that number obviously is much higher than it was 15, 20, 30 years ago. Do you feel as a researcher, do you feel that that number is actually higher or that we're just able to make more diagnoses because we understand better and have a better working knowledge of mental health. Exactly. I, I don't. I I don't think that. Now, I, life stressors. There's different things that have. Gone uh, of course, there's there's X factors in everything. That yeah. Number a little bit higher, but I do think that because of the stigma around mm -hmm. it, there are a lot of people that were going undiagnosed, untreated self-medicating, doing different things. I think that it's a lot easier. We, we are, we're, we've made, come, we've came leaps and bounds with breaking the stigma and, and trying to to help that. But um, but yeah, I do, I don't, some of it, yes. There is, yeah, there yeah. is a bit of a- I just, I, I do that because I just, I, I, you know, you, I've heard that argument or heard that statement said about like autism. Like everybody, everybody's getting diagnosed with autism now, or, you know, there's such a high level of autism diagnosis. Like, well, we also understand what it is now where yeah. we 1972, you know, like. Agreed. Yeah, that, that's so true. And, and I also think too, as, as Ashley mentioned, 
is that I think we are breaking through that stigma a bit. And I know that we have a lot of cultural things, even within the state, especially, that, that we still don't want to talk about suicide. We don't want to talk about schizophrenia. We don't want to talk about, hey, I don't, you know, I'm depressed. We don't, you know, there's still that, that blanket there. But I think that if we look broader in our society, the conversation around mental health has opened up tremendously over the last mm -hmm. decade or so. So not only do I think that people are feeling more comfortable about stepping forward, but you made a good point too. We're just learning more. We're able to recognize those markers and we're able to say, look, you can still function, have a wonderful life and live with bipolar disorder. I mean, but, but you know what? If it's something that disrupts your ability to function on a daily basis, then you, know, you need to see somebody and you may need to try a medication or, or see a therapist or whatever it may be that helps your own recovery. And so um, I do, I think, I, and I, I would venture to guess, as you mentioned, the numbers are probably more than what they're showing statistically just because of the lack of, of, of individuals who are going out and actually trying to seek treatment or, or, or get an official diagnosis. Well, well guys, I mean, you, you all are doing some fantastic work here. We, we truly appreciate it. Uh, we want to make sure to get try to get this out to as many people as possible. Uh, real quickly, before we wrap up, if somebody was looking for your services, how, how can we how can people get in contact with you? Um, if a listener hears this and says, hey, maybe I need to go check this place out. Yeah. So you join a research study.com and that lists all of our sites um, and you look for the Woodland Research Northwest and um, give us a call. Yeah, it'll have a list of all, all the, yeah, join a research study.com. Very simple. Join a research study.com. Yeah. And, and so we have all of our sites from around the nation there. But if you look at Woodland and if you're more close to central Arkansas, um, you know, we have uh, Woodland International here in Little Rock and then, of course, Woodland Northwest uh, and Rogers. But it'll have a complete list of all the trials that are currently going on, maybe a little bit of information about the criteria, you know, do you kind of fit within this age group or so forth. But then, but just call, I mean, call and, and talk to us, find out about what we're doing. And as, as Ashley said, come, out, come, yeah. come yeah. out and take a tour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, this is a, it's a beautiful place and wonderful people. And so it, it needs to, the community needs to know the doors are open. And All right. And and you guys are located just south of the neighborhood market there behind Car Mart on 8th Street. Is that, that correct? Right next to, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the, the Yes. <laughs> All right. So, and we will be sure to get joined a research study.com. We will link to that in the description when we, when we post this out on social media as well, to try to help people, uh, get, you bring more people to your doors and help as many people as possible. Well, Luke, Ashley, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here on today's chamber voice of business podcast. <laughs>